Chapter 19 Fontaine pulled up to the pile of sticks at the turnoff and eyed the small path into the woods, trying to see if his car would even fit below the branches. Scott was asleep in the back seat, snoring lightly. Fontaine reached into the passenger seat and picked up Scott's wallet and inspected the driver's license. Hey, Fontaine grunted, banging his elbow on the caged back seat. Scott woke up with a snort, blinking and looking around. Shit, he yawned, wiping his eyes. What? Fontaine asked, staring at him through the rearview mirror. Nothing, Scott replied, shaking his head. I was just hoping it all been a bad dream, I guess. Fontaine squinted at him, not sure how to respond. He lifted the wallet and wagged it over his shoulder. You weren't lying about being from up north, he said. So what are you lying about? Tell me what I'm about to drive into. Scott looked out his window at the bleak row of trees and the dark gap between. I have no idea, Scott said. I've never been here before. Fontaine threw down the wallet and picked up the plastic-wrapped book, waving it over his shoulder in the same way. Not according to this, he said. This bag is from a place down that path. The sheriff and a few others are in there right now. They radioed me the location and name. The place is called Fast Stop, just like on this bag. Now are you going to keep lying, or are you going to cooperate? I can put a bullet in your arm if that helps. Don't tempt me. Scott's eyes faltered, trying to think of an answer. The truth was too long-winded, but a lie would get him nowhere. He stumbled over his words, mumbling to himself. Fontaine dropped the book and slammed his elbow against the cage between them, shouting as he struck it harder and harder. Answer me, he said. It's not mine, Scott yelled. None of it's mine. I stole it. I got lost, and I wound up someplace, and I saw her, and I took her, but she got away. I I don't know anything. Fontaine cooled nodding into the mirror. You took who? he asked. Wendy? I didn't know her name, Scott said, his voice a snot-filled confession. I didn't ask if she had a name. I should have. I just thought she was beautiful. I wasn't going to do anything to her. I just wanted to keep her. Fontaine nodded. Yeah, he said. I can understand that happening. It happens with her all the time. But who took her from you? Who's got her now? Something very evil, Scott said, choking up. A monster. A man made of bones sewn together with wire. He didn't have eyes, but he saw me. Saw right through me. He moved like the arm of a spider. 
and he had these giant black hands. Fontaine just nodded again, pretending to understand the way a therapist might. Scott was apparently batshit crazy. How did this monster take her from you? Fontaine asked. What time did this all happen? Last night, Scott said, snorting. I went back for my wallet, and they were in there together. She was chained to the bed, strung up like a steer carcass. There was blood and guts everywhere. He was carving something in the bathroom. He'd thrown off his robe and was naked to the bone. The lights all burned like fire, and there was fog. Fontaine shook his head. It was bullshit. Half the men he picked up along the highway spoke like this, fragmented sentences about creatures and bondage, but usually their eyes were more bloodshot and their clothes were more filthy. Scott was apparently a rare loon. Either that or the explosion had knocked a few screws loose. Fontaine picked the wrapped book back up and inspected it as Scott droned on about the sounds he'd heard while hiding under the bed. Scott sounded like some kind of voyeur, not an uncommon thing to find lurking around the Metro Motel. But it was odd that he traveled such a long distance. Perhaps he was on the run from a different, perverted situation. He didn't strike Fontaine as the kind of man that made a habit of hiding under beds, but his yammering said otherwise. That's enough, Fontaine grunted. Scott went quiet, looking out his window and thinking over the things he'd said. You never told me where you got this, Fontaine said, holding up the book. You said you stole it. Where do you steal it from? She came with it, Scott said. The man said it fell out of the tree along with her. When I lied about who I was and paid him the money, he handed me that book along with a wrench for her cage. He gave me those keys, too. Fontaine glanced down at the keys. They were for a padlock. How much? Fontaine asked. What? Scott said. How much did you pay? Fontaine asked. How much did they want for her? Scott looked around the back seat, realizing this was a full-on interrogation. Five hundred, he said with an embarrassed swallow. Fontaine finally lost his composure, smirking and shaking his head. He'd never paid Wendy a dime, and barely bought her a drink at that, and he'd gone to bed with her easily enough. And this old fool had dropped a hefty sum just to listen to her fuck somebody else. What a strange world. Scott's story made Fontaine afraid to grow old and lose his good looks. If that was the future, Fontaine wanted nothing to do with it. Well, that's a shame, Fontaine said. You should have saved that cash for something more meaningful. She may be fine to look at, but she's no prize. This comment confused Scott. His eyes bulged, trying to decode its message. He decided to remain quiet. Apparently, they had tangled stories. 
No way had this young cop ever seen the dog-headed girl. If he had, he wouldn't be laughing. Now there was an awkward lull as Fontaine rummaged through the rest of Scott's things. Scott refrained from saying any more. They were parked outside a scary partition in the woods about to enter the darkness just beyond. There was no need to continue with his confession. They were headed straight to where it all likely come from. The girl, the monster, the book. Scott could feel the place watching them from deep inside the narrow path like a set of silver eyes. He stared out his window at the hole among the branches. They would not be returning once they entered. He could sense it. Fontaine picked the book back up and unwrapped the bag, tossing it onto the dash and flipping through the pages. They were all blank. It was an unused journal. Not much of a writer, Fontaine asked, turning the book upside down and leafing through it a second time. It writes itself, Scott said, keeping his eyes on the trees. If there's anything in there, I didn't write it. He did. The words are like a voice in your head. Right, Fontaine replied, half listening. He flipped to the beginning and folded back the first page. Suddenly, words began to form in harsh scratch marks. Fontaine jumped and flung the book onto the dash, but then took a breath and picked it back up, turning to the second page. A single sentence was now scrolled across it in a long, violent stroke. Fontaine read the line over twice, the whites of his eyes glowing brighter at each word. He looked around for a pen, thinking he'd subconsciously written it himself while listening to Scott ramble. But there was nothing in the console to write with. He looked at the page again. The words had disappeared. Fontaine blinked and flipped back through it, sighing and tossing it onto the dash. He needed more coffee. He put the car in drive and turned off the road pulling into the trees. Darkness swallowed them whole, and the sound of the wind was replaced by the cries of insects and the screams of birds.